Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 528, 528 with my wonderful guest, Eric Silver. Eric is a producer over at uh, Multitude, which is kind of a cool, I guess, I mean, I I feel like I'm going to call it like a sister network, um, doing something similar, really supporting independent podcasters um, over at Multitude and works on some of my favorite podcasts and is just an all around great podcast guest. So enjoy this episode with Eric and uh, we have a few more boys of summer maybe squeaking into like the what we would consider back to school um but i also feel like i got a late start this year so i'm excited to keep some more boys of summer rolling eric of course is a great addition to that so enjoy the episode and i'll talk to you next week So let me ask you this, Eric, are you the same Eric Silver that uh, provided the list of public access shows that we had not? Uh-huh. That's... I suspected as much. I have. I do have a professional hazard of trying to make Adel Rafai's content better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, that means I'll go through your Patreon episode. I'll go through your Patreon and figure out all of the ones you should have been doing. I'm glad he used it. He didn't even tell me that it was used. So I'm glad that you recorded he it. That's great. It. He used it. And uh, friends, for those of you who have absolutely no idea what we're talking about, I did an episode of Hey Riddle Riddle. Um, of course, I've had the hosts on. Um, I, I I need to still have Casey Tony on. I, I've had Arnie Peridon, Um And they have a Patreon. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a, a public access sort of improv game where we get real titles of real public access public access shows and then we do sort of our spin on it and Adol had been doing this for a while and has been giving us options and then whatever was not chosen was just sort of disappearing into the ether and so Eric took it upon himself to uh, make a list of things so that we could circle back and revisit ones that never got improvised off of and my very next comment and I know you'll appreciate this as a producer was so, Adult, why haven't you been keeping track of this? The funniest thing about it is that they've done this like seven times at this yeah, point. This it's a really good, pre- it's a very good premise, and they've made incredible content out of it. And five out of seven of the episodes, someone yeah. says, We should write down the ones <laughs> that we don't use. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Even Casey could write them down. That's not Casey's job. Uh, Casey's too busy making the beeps and boops and putting all the good sound effects to make all the jokes. We got it. He's 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 tied up and that's totally legit. And so, yeah. Um, But that was very funny. It was it was just very funny because that's the first time that that I knew and recognized. That's not to say that you haven't your name has not come up before on past podcasts, but it just was the first time that I remember like sitting up and taking notice in a very specific way. Like, hey, I bet that's. I bet that's that Eric Silver that I'm going to have on my podcast soon. That's very I, funny. I have professionally ruined so many of the things that I like by like <laughs> trying to then work within them. And then I just like, oh, I want to make this better. And yeah. it will then cause I will. And now I have like, ru- I can't just enjoy it as it is. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I need you to. <laughs> I want this to be as good as possible. Please take this. I hope this yeah. is helpful. 
is this part of who you are? Like, is this part of like you as a high school kid sort of being super well-intentioned, um, also having like quality, like, like the idea of having a sense of quality and having a sense of like, I'm not trying to do anything other than make your thing better because that is very editorial. And mm. I do feel like it's a certain type of person that is called to like not just make their own stuff, but genuinely wants to lift up the content of other people. So is that like something that you feel like is in your DNA or did it grow out of you becoming a producer? I think it grew out. Uh, I've been very excited to do this show um, because also, you know, my wife, Amanda McLaughlin, has done it. And so is Julia Shafini, who is part of Multitude and is on my Dungeons and Dragons show. Um, yes. I'm joining the party. And um, so I've been thinking about my high school self a lot as getting ready for this to come together. And the thing it. that I guess I I have such a clear line of some time in my in the middle of college where I realized, like, oh, I need to be an active participant in whether or not things go well for me. Yeah. And when I was in high school, no one told me that. I thought the, the all of the adults around me kind of were just like, hey, you're doing a really good job of like mm. doing the institutional thing and keep doing mm. that, which like obviously it's super easy in high school. It's like get good grades, be a good kid, um, right. do a high, get into a good college. And like – in my 20s, I'm like, oh, I'm responsible for me and for making sure that the things I want are good and the institute and institutions will not look out for me in that particular yeah. way at all. So I was so now I've gone all the way on the other side now that I end up making so much stuff that I love, like podcasts in general. But, you yeah. know, Dungeons and Dragons podcasts is kind of like or actual play podcasts is like. I will then continue to look at things with a critical eye and that will ruin my enjoyment <laughs> by just like regular person enjoyment of so many things. Which, I mean, I guess that that is sort of the job hazard, right? I mean, people talk about that. Like, I feel like using entertainment in general as an example, mm -hmm. like, like attorneys I know can't stand watching or kind of hate watch right. like procedurals because they're like, this never, this is not real. Same with cops, same with even just being an actor, like, like yeah. figuring out what your escape is. If you are also thinking about like, I have auditioned for this show. I haven't auditioned for this show. I know many of the people on the show. I know their real lives. This is distracting. My brain won't shut up. So but it I, does I wonder seem if like, there's a thing yeah. for, because I'm specific, I'm thinking about like your voice acting, right? And I think that that is something that's a little niche, much like the structure of a podcast where you're uh -huh. like, you're like, this person's doing a terrible job. There's so many different ways it could be better. And, and so many other people are just like, no, I just like it. It's good. It's good and, yeah. fi and fine. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like ripping my skin from my body. <laughs> like, do you feel that way about like about, I guess, the more like niche acting stuff mm -hmm. that you do? Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes to like I always tell I mean, I always have to apologize for not watching comedy. Um, right. Exactly. Because that isn't a place that I've, I am able to unplug at all. Um, so yeah, so that's exactly right. It's like the more, the more like, you know, serious and Scottish, whatever it is, the easier it is for me to be like, ah, I'm lost in this. Um, so yeah, totally, totally. 
but I also but it's also like yeah it's a very specific to be a to be a podcast producer and to be a podcast listener and fan um that crossover is definitely more immediate and it's sort of one-to-one whereas like I'm not going to you know I'm not gonna like write the showrunner of modern family or whatever and be like <laughs> i have some tips but as a but as a podcast producer i feel like i would feel very comfortable being like hey i'm a huge fan hey idea for you like what mic are you using you know what i mean <laughs> I, the number of times i'm just like hey do you know how to properly record your your audio like i'm hearing yeah. a bunch of stuff and i'm like i can't do that they didn't ask me and the only reason yeah. why I did it to Adel was because, like, I work on a show with him. Yes, if before 100%. I was listening to Hey Fair. Riddle Riddle, and I'm like, they should write down their public access ideas. Uh-huh. But then I'm like, okay, I know him. He's seen my face a few times. I hope that he sees this as, like, a, a, a producer present from Eric instead of, like, a random person kind of just, like, loved sending it. it in. Loved it. Everybody loved it. Everybody appreciated it. Um, all right. Well, let, let's let's go back to yeah. the young man who was sort of living, operating inside of the teenage system where True. you're still there's like it's a little bit more of a pod than when you are, you know, off to college and, and post-college. And in some cases for people like me, college, post-college and college, um, like the backs and forth sees. Um, where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school? I grew up in Westchester County, New York, just like an hour and 15 minutes by Metro North away from New York City in little Golden's Bridge, New York, which just had an A&P and a train station. And, and that's it. It was pretty much just like one of those like tiny towns within larger suburbs. Um, I have a twin brother which I think has fully colored a lot of my life. My twin brother sure. is nothing like me in any sort of way. I don't know how it happened, but it's like it's like you go into a genetics textbook and it's like sometimes the father gives DNA and the mother gives DNA, then the children look like things. Like I'm a pundit, my, me and my brother are pundit squares, right? Where like yeah. I look exactly like my mom and my brother looks exactly like my dad. But okay, uh, so fraternal, I guess it's safe yeah, to say. very, we, yeah. very different. Except for like, my, I've gotten my dad's like uh, inability to process fats fast, like from the Midwest, <laughs> 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 and uh, that's and that's pretty much it. So yeah, I, I grew up and um, uh, and then my parents broke up when they we were ten, and so I was living in like. My dad was living in a condo and my mom was living in a condo and like the neighborhoods uh, butted up against each other. We could mm-hmm. run through the woods in between the two handy. the two houses. Yeah, I think they did it specifically for that. Um, yeah. And uh, we did that, I think, from like 10 to like 16, 17. And then my dad, like after he got remarried and had two kids, was like, hey, I'm going to move to a house. You need to learn how to drive. And I'm like, I'm bad at that. And that's a whole other that's a whole other can of worms. But yeah, and then he ended up moving away. So yeah, uh, just like New York suburban living with the, the, the divorce twist on top. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to think of how many twins I've had on the show. I guess I feel, I mean, I've had a handful. Yeah. Um, Certainly Tegan and Sarah being the most recent, but uh, they Sim- are super similar perhaps... experience, me and Tegan yeah. and Sarah. <laughs> well, super, super more, yeah, let's, we don't know how not to work together, kind of embracing that, leaning into it, leaning into 
the kind of um, hive mind that twins talk about having sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, did people like when it's identical twins, yeah. there's a different kind of like fetish- fetishization of that um, in a way that maybe is a little less common with fraternal twins. Like, did you guys escape some of that? Like, whoa, you guys are twins. Or was it still like totally ubiquitous as you as you were younger? Oh, no, it was totally <laughs> ubiquitous. Everyone uh-huh. says, wow, oh my God, you're twins. The number of people, even when we're standing in front of them, who say... Yeah. Oh, are you two identical? And we're like, uh, okay. no, abs- obviously <laughs> not. You know, you know, we're not. Um, yeah, my mom, my mom loved to to say all the people who would be like, oh my god, they must be identical. It's like, no, they you they have different color hair. How do you? They have do, yeah. they look totally different. I don't know. How you think that? That's very funny. My mom leaned do- into the fraternal twin thing though. How she would dress us the same but different. So it was a lot of like her going to Oshkosh Bagosh, let's say, uh-huh. and then buying like overalls where one is red and one is blue. So sure. she's gonna dress us the same, but there's a slight the which, color patterns were the color palettes were swapped, which is like for many people, I think that still would just apply to identical twins. Yeah, like as, yeah. soon as, as soon as there's any commonality that feels cute. Yeah. then you're you're maybe asking too much of people to have the imagination to understand that that's like a gesture of showing like but look they're not identical well, look, see look at this one step too too deep then you're gonna think about this that my mom's trying to apply and like exactly no. exactly because somebody could just be like oh that's how he that's how they they tell them apart <laughs> right. done and done exactly. they're i'm going to put i'm going to continue putting that identical template on there and now you've given me actual fuel for that rather than doing the thing that you thought you were doing which was like to sort of dispel that um were you guys kind of kept apart like was that like okay you you know you're going to be in this you know sixth grade and you're going to be in this sixth grade class or or were you because you were in a small uh and smaller environment was that sort of not going to happen my mom's i think I think that my parents tried to keep us a little bit apart. Like, we were not really in the same classes, and I think that they did that intentionally. But, you know, it's just kind of like the luck of the draw, however it shakes out. The funny thing is, though, is that being a twin was not that weird once we got to high school because my graduating class had, like, 12 sets of twins in it. Wow. Or, yeah, and, like, then there was a whole yearbook page of the of all the twins together. <laughs> of course. So it was like, oh, yeah, look at all the twins. They're all fraternal. You just, you're just going to have That's a deal with it. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, I obviously, tw- the, the rate of twins, I'm sure, has just gone up, 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 up every single year. Yeah. Because of, you know, various um, fertility methods and such that, um, honestly actually that that's would... what it was written in our yearbook page <laughs> it's like actually this isn't that weird uh fertility rates are getting well going up and up and i'm like and then there's a photo of me and my brother like posing back to back of course <laughs> sitcom style cannot get away from sitcom style yep. leaning against each other posing i it's one of my favorite poses to suggest whenever i'm taking a photo with of someone course. because everyone knows yep. everyone knows it's it's inside joke uh, meta code, yeah. I guess. It's like, oh, I'm um, the clean one. I'm the sloppy one, and he's the right. neat one. That's how you know. Um, but the, the other thing, yeah. so, so my name is Eric Silver. My brother's name is Tyler. And there was a kid in our graduating class named Harrison Silver, 
We were not related oh. to him. He had red hair. He was very athletic. Mm. And he wasn't even Jewish. He was just a guy with the last name Silver. <laughs> In our yearbooks, it would go Eric, Harrison, Tyler. Like there was a third <gasps> Silver slotted oh, I in there. Love it. In fact, my mom needed to go out of her way and called the school to say, hey, in the in the yearbook where we're seniors, put Harrison after Tyler, please. <laughs> what weird and specific things that we would never, you would never think about being an issue until it's presented to you. And then suddenly it's like incredibly important to follow up on. Yeah. I do feel like I need to, I'd be remiss if I did not quickly insert the now tardy joke. Please. That it would be really funny if your mom had named your brother Silver Eric. Just because <laughs> that's yeah. that ver that's the name version of two different overalls that are still overalls. That's very good. That's very good. Uh to so. this day, though, my mom did say what our backup uh my mom did say what our backup names were going to be. They were still mm -hmm. kicking names around because my brother and I as twins and my mom is five foot and a half inch, tiny lady. We were born like a month early. So they were still like kicking around names at the time. Uh so for a long time, my I think my brother was baby B for a, like a little like for a few a few days there. And also like we were yeah. super small, so they kept us in the in the hospital for a little bit. But the the names so were Eric and Tyler. The names that my mom was her backup names or her uh, also on the table were the single most '90s names. I don't think we would have been allowed into the 21st century if we were this named Cameron and Carson. Oh, those are so. <laughs> We would immediately have become TRL VJs. <laughs> like we would not have been allowed. So quickly. We would not have. So quickly. Like uh, it's 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 incredible, and I I think about that all the time. <laughs> and by the way, Harrison is around the corner from like only if his name had been Carrison would it Carison. be like <laughs> more confusing and more people would think that you must be triplets. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, That's Harrison phenomenal. certainly fits in the in the 90s, the 90s ass names that my mom always yeah. chose. Yeah. Yeah. And so with the school that you went to, was it, I mean, with 12 sets of twins, was it a big school or was that a graduating class small enough that it was even more kind of significant seeming at the time that everybody was a twin? It was a pretty big school. I think that um, the school, so the school district gathered all of these smaller towns together. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like, it's like, I can't tell people where I grew up. It's like, oh, it's like 15 minutes away from White Plains or like the Katona Lewisboro area, or I have to say my high school. So like they actually pulled five elementary schools together into one middle school and then one high school. So it was a relatively big. I think it was, I, I'm so bad at estimating numbers, but I think it was like 2000 person high school. Uh, okay. so we had a pretty, we had a pretty large, um, graduating class. But it was still like 12, 12 twins was a ton. It, it, was, yeah. it was still it was still ridiculous. Yeah. And what do, do you when you like going back to kind of what you were saying about like just feeling like you you're sort of getting through the system in a in a healthy, good type way um, within the confines and construct of high school. Um, can you talk more about that? Like what were you interested in and 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 what was expected of you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think about this a lot. I think that that my parents split up when I I was 10 and they had these two they had these two 
boys who are going to be in middle school very soon. It was like they told us like in the summer, I think either right before or right after fifth grade. Like we were just about to go to middle school imminently. Right. And then they were like, oh, well, they're going to be two single parents dealing with twin with few uh, preteens. Right. And then yeah. I think that they were like, OK, we were we weren't we were just like kids. Right. And I think that this prevailing idea also because my parents were big nerds they're like little quiet people right they were they met each other when they were my mom when my mom was 19 and my dad was 18 at brandeis university also known as the only not party boston school uh-huh. <laughs> like even all of the christian ones are still super party schools brandeis is the only one that's not that's a party really school funny. at all so they just like met each other and then they were dating the entire they were dating their entire like adult lives and then they broke up mm. when they had these like 10 year old kids um and mm. i think there's just this prevailing idea that like you just got to do the thing you're going to do is that like you know they were just like trying to live their lives as adults and yeah. they have these kids and they're like, well, I hope that they are good. They're good kids and they're trying to like tell them to be good kids. And I think that it just like seeped into our lives. And it just so happened that like we were pretty good at school and we kind of got into extracurriculars. But like, I don't think I ever got into trouble. I didn't know that it was <laughs> something you were allowed to do or like on the flip side of that in, in a real like you know, well-behaved women never made history sort of way is like, <laughs> it's like, well, if you never got into trouble, you never did anything that was like particularly exceptional. You never like tried to do something like you never uh, took a stand or you never like pushed back mm. against things that were that were wrong or you never like made yourself stand out. So, you know, I like I did pretty well. I did like pretty well in high school, but like I didn't get it. I applied to like I ended up applying to, like, five colleges and just, like, a smattering of them of whatever I thought. Because, like, no one told me, hey, you can try something else or you can, like, hope a little yeah. bit more. It was like, hey, it'd be pretty cool if I went to Wesleyan. But, like, no one, like, uh, no one mentored me, I guess, is the thing yeah. that I think about a lot. No one was like, you have untapped talent. You could be pretty good. Uh, or if you, yeah. f- if you started working at this or if I guided you a little bit. Because I think we were just trying to, like get by and do stuff i i figured out a lot of things by my by myself too like when i was in freshman and, and sophomore year i played football and i just like did it because i wanted to do it i liked football and i thought it would be fun um and then like i ended up getting into theater in junior and senior year overlapping in it because like well i didn't want to do football anymore because i got like terribly bullied and i wasn't that good at it and then like maybe i would be good at this thing but i was behind because like all these kids mm. were doing like middle school plays and and music uh like middle school plays and musicals and like i didn't know no one told me um it's true that that's where the most flourishing of theatrical skill happens well it's like well at least like they had experience though i didn't know what i was doing no no, i didn't know what i was doing at all no of course of course i'm totally teasing you i that was just my way of saying don't worry oh sure yes (laughs) i want to tell teenage you don't worry no one was that like it might have felt like there was a lot of experience happening but my experience of like had I not done stuff in junior high I don't know that I would have been better or worse for it and I did do stuff in that's junior fair high, and so. you are that's... uh I mean Cora's telling me I should just get over it and I'm going to <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just talking to that. I'm just talking to that young man who's like, oh no, I'm I'm interested in this, but is it too late? Everybody's you know already on top of this, but you still you did it. You did it for both of those years. Yeah. Um. Were you acting? Were you? I mean, I guess in theater in school, ideally, you're doing a little of everything. But yeah, I was acting mostly. I just I just felt like I kind of missed the boat a little bit. Is like I didn't know because you know there's a, always a hierarchy in high school theater, right? Where like the freshmen mm-hmm. can come on, and then like eventually the juniors and seniors get put into more stuff, and it's like it's your time, right? And I think like yeah. I kind of you know it's like I remember I had to take like basic intro theater classes when I was a junior, and everyone else were freshmen, and I was like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely missed something here. Like, I was supposed to do this with all of my other friends who were, like, little, were, like, weird. And now I'm here, like, two years older. When it felt like, like, I felt like an old man on stage uh-huh. with, like, everyone else, <laughs> right? Doing, like, little scenes and stuff. And then I'm like, I wish. And then I've, I got to, like, jump forward and be with, like, the seniors the next year after I, because they're like, hey, you should be with the your, your friends with the other seniors yeah. so I just felt like I missed something and I just feel like when I look back at myself at, in high school I w- wish I just like I wish an adult had been like hey I think you're good at something you should keep mm. pursuing that and also I wish that someone had told me it's okay for you to get into trouble or do something on your behalf instead of like hoping that just by doing the quote-unquote right thing it will all kind of mm. break for you and like I feel like I, I've pushed so hard against that in my adult life now where it's like if nothing's going to get better unless I do something about it and like that is very much driven my life for you know however if that's better or worse or whatever or I, now <laughs> I'm intense both in the good and the bad way <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what that's listen, that's when we start everybody starts leaning into their horoscopes a little more and finding out what the ups and downs are of, of like and the positive stuff about my sign. Um, but it, it is interesting that I mean, so if you had that experience, like did the football thing develop into more of a I'm being targeted kind of way or were you like, I like this, mm. I may or may not be good at it, but I'm going to do it. Because that's, for, to be a young person, you know, time, yeah. like, yeah, a, a year feels like 70 years when you're in high school. Um, two years of not being great at it and, and potentially having people kind of shit on you on yeah. some level, that's a long time to, to go through that, no? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't even remember the moment where I was like, hey, mom, I'm doing playing football. Because, like, my mom hates football. She, she in general, she's the person at Thanksgiving where she's like, oh, there's football on TV. I hate it. She calls uniforms costumes and she's leaned into that (laughs) so much. She's like, oh my God, the Bengals, they have the best costumes because they have the stripes on them. I love it. I love your mom. I can already tell. (laughs) So I don't even know why she let me play. I guess because like I guess it might have been like my good son is asking for something. So I'm going to give it to him. Right. Um, And like I played a bunch of basketball and I wasn't that good at it. But in the way that like everyone does from the ages of like 10 to 14. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I don't know why she let me do it in the first place. And like I didn't know I hadn't played at all in middle school before. So I was learning how to play from the beginning. I was bad all of freshman year and I was definitely like second string sophomore year. Theoretically, I was getting better. But then it was like, Mm. oh, if you want to be on varsity, you got to like do these like summer can't these summer 
things like these summer football camps. And I was already going mm-hmm. to summer camp a lot. Like uh, I'd been going since I was eight and I went every summer and I was going to be staff and I eventually did do staff. I, I went for a very long time. Um, and then I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really want to do this. And also I don't think I'm that good. And also this sucks. You're all bad people. <laughs> you're all very, you're all very <laughs> mean. And you make me think about what cankles are a lot. And I, Oh no. Like what? Oh, that doesn't really. even exist. It's, I know now that's not real, but it really yeah. was a thing you could say to someone and make them very self-conscious when they were yeah. 15. God, it just sucks that. Yeah. I mean. I guess that I there's the whole cliche like if you if you didn't play a sport like football which yeah. I did not um, nor did I have friends really who were playing football um, I, the the idea of the sort of football almost being a safe space for bullying like ah yeah, it's sure. like the, 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 the like the cliche the movie cliche of the coach being like ah they're just razzing each other like puts hair on your chest. Like, did that, I mean, is that real? Did you experience that where people were being shitty to you, but the adults in the room were sort of like, yeah, come on, these, these boys. <laughs> um, <laughs> not in the way, not like in a real varsity blues sort of way, <laughs> but, but enough that like the adults were not around and like, they were just like the, the, the gym teachers at school mm. and like this is to say hey in 2023 i bet you're a good gym teacher i bet you know things about like the body and kinesiology <laughs> and stretching uh. and like bat and teaching teens how to find their uh, purpose through pickleball i'm sure you're doing uh-huh. that in <laughs> the, the cliche of the gym teacher 100 percent true they were just some guys yeah. who were there they were like yeah i want to watch some 15 year olds run into each other and then i'm going to disappear <laughs> when they're half naked together in a locker room and I'm sure that that's going to be fine no there just wasn't there and of course like I didn't feel it's not like I felt like there was any adult around I could talk to because I was too busy being a good kid so I didn't know about like the Mm. the resources no one told me about the resources other than like the way that adults relate to teens and say you can talk to me about anything but that doesn't really mean anything right like it's that's it's not it's fake or at least, like, it's not – it doesn't actually mean anything until you put it into practice. Like, yeah. yes, my door is open, but how much am I going to judge you when, when you tell me the thing? It's like I didn't even know that was ava- – I didn't even know that was ava- actually truly available. Well, let me let me pose this to you then um, because the one place where it sort of seems like there could be a little more of that, albeit – can't the counselors tend to be much closer to like our own ages but yeah. when you were going to summer camp was that a place where you sort of felt a little more connected or felt a little more like that that things were a little more hands-on in terms of like your development does that make sense uh <laughs> in a different way for sure i mean i value the stuff that I did at summer camp of just like, again, me kind of like passively teaching myself skills, but it was in a different way, a different group of people who then, I don't know what it was about me <laughs> as a kid, but it's like I had a sign on me that said, bully me. I'll uh, deflect with it with humor and take yeah. it. It's, I don't know what it is. I still can't figure it out of just the way that teenagers smell who can be bullied or like what Mm. the social hierarchy is but they just they also knew it at summer camp and 
it's and then but it was different and then of course like because they were at a younger age you know it's also it, because they were a younger age like my counselors participated in it in that like that was the vibe of the cabin Ugh. for sure you know what's funny because i went to a jewish summer camp uh in it was like i was part of like the cons- the lowercase c conservative movement of judaism which means that like it was more it was it was like in the middle of religiosity on the on the type sex of Judaism scale is like okay. a lot of those camp a lot of those people who were my step who were staff like some of them went on to be like rabbis and cantors right so it's like the, the bully ca- rabbis and yeah. bully campers right cantors. right like so like the guy the guy the staff member who was my counselor who I also like adored and participated and facilitated some of the bullying that happened to me is like a rabbi now and i'm like that's mm. so i that blows my mind because yes my biggest bully in in uh in football right like he went to williams and got a lacrosse scholarship and i'm like yeah sh- for sure <laughs> that makes sense i got you but then like and then he went on is like yeah i'm a rabbi in in the in the uh in the midwest I had a, a synagogue tells uh, a synagogue listens to me uh, read the Torah, and that's that. I that's it's wild to me a little bit, but then it's uh, it's just it's weird. It's just weird. Do you think that he would like? Do you think that if he were pressed on that, if he had any memory of it at all, that he would fall into that category of people who were like, "What? Nah, we were just razzing people. Like everything was well, like." It was friendly and like it was a little bit of razzing, maybe a little bit of, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like people who are like, oh, your skin's too thin, blah, blah. And you're like, no, you were like, like genuinely, objectively kind of cruel. And they're like, ah, we were razzing. Probably. I love that I'm making every one of these characters Ah, (laughs) a bully from the 80s. No, yeah, I think he would be. I think he would be that. He'd be like, yeah, that was the joke of the cabin. So we just did the thing and it was easy to facilitate the vibe um yeah i think that that's what that's what he would say and but again the thing that i'm you know i can't control what other people do and but i wish what i did was stand up for myself i wish i had any tools to stand up for myself sure because i was so busy being a good kid and just taking it that i didn't know i could do anything about it which is like actually which is which stand up for myself in a real actual way uh or at least ask for help or be able to to describe to describe it at all um yeah to people to people who could have helped me um that's what i wish i had any of the tools to recognize it well and yeah and like i could be pushing the this and it's i promise it's not an agenda but um but like if you we you know, often talk about how when you're younger, like normal is normal. Whatever your sure. normal is, is your normal. And you don't necessarily see outside of that necessarily. Like our lives aren't unless you're, you know, maybe an army brat or you move around a lot or you, you have a lot of different social experiences. The way schools are set up, it sort of perpetuates some version of, you know, your normal reality. And if you're a good kid... I don't want to I guess what I'm saying is I don't want to say like that you thought you quote deserved it in that sort of like I hate myself sense. Sure. But the idea that 
you were just like that you were just like, well, this is just the character I this is like the slot I fill. And I like myself and I don't think that this should be happening. But I guess this is just, you know, life is a play and I've been cast as this character and it's my job to do this well, <laughs> like yes. to be good at being this character. To, to the yes, a hundred percent. And then the next step is because I got good grades and because I'm going to go to a good college, then like I will be rewarded, right? Yeah. Then the good stuff will happen. Yeah. And then that's the thing that I'm like, no, you gotta a lot of there's a lot of things that are out of your control that dictate that that you also need to push. And you got to push for and you got to ask for, um, which I didn't know, which I didn't know. Um, So, yes, I I agree. Well, would I say that I liked myself? No, I wouldn't say that. But certainly (laughs) you did. Did on some level. Do you feel like you just like, quote unquote, deserved it? Like not deserved it. But it's like, oh, maybe you see something that is deserved that I don't see the thing that you are bullying me for. But you that's almost more maddening, though, because I think that's. That taps into an insecurity that most teenagers have, yeah. which is, what's wrong with me? How am I broken in a way that someone else isn't broken? And will I be able to recognize that? And if I can't, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And so that's, that's to me, that's just, maybe it's not worse, but it's just as bad in a different way than being like, everybody's right, I'm Eeyore. Like, right. go ahead and make fun of me. The idea of being like, God, I don't see why this is happening which is terrifying because that definitely means i don't know what to do about it right and then, that's but really like, hard eric that's to, hard there's nothing to do like what was i going to do about it i had no i i had no tools to make yeah. a stand because it's like well i'm just gonna get to the next i'm gonna get a 94 on my essay right. and that's just gonna be that and that's just gonna be the next thing and what's where's tyler in all this is he experiencing any version of this or is he and does he know that you're experiencing this oh i don't he's he's around he's doing something (laughs) else i don't know i mean listen he was friends with like popular popular kids at camp and i don't and he like was doing other stuff in uh at that time you know i just we went about kind of like living our lives we both went with the flow and i think that tyler still does and it works out for and it works out for him because like you know he it took him to a place that he wanted it took him to a place that he wanted to go he ended up he went on like a gap year to israel and then he like went to columbia and now he like has worked at the same job for his entire adult life in finance and then i but then when i saw i looked around when i was like 21 or 22 and i'm like no, no one's looking out for me. Like the being good and now I'm like chafing against that so much and that becomes such a defining thing of my life now. Like how I wish that I was able to, to have told my teenage self, my 15 and 16 year old self who needed this yeah. the most um that you could stand up for yourself and be you. Like there's nothing good about you f- you fitting in and going with the flow and not like in like a, Oh yeah. Like high school mushes us all together. It's like, you know, you will just be a stat. Like you could, you need to stand out in order for people to take you seriously. I think that I tried to figure that out a little bit more when I started doing theater, went in junior and senior year. And like I was writing poetry and I was pretty good at writing. I think that Mm -hmm. some people recognize that and like allowed me to like do some extracurricular writing stuff. 
um, at that time. But like, and then you know, the people within the institutions, I think that gave me the things they could ha- that they did like within a within the box. You know, it's like mm-hmm. no one, no one like high school movie mentored me. Right. Yeah. But they did like try to tell me that like I was I was a little worthwhile. Like um, they're in my summer camp. uh, The oldest age group was 16. And uh, the thing that you did was you put on like a lot of the big events for for summer camp. And one was the color war. And being a judge was a big deal because like the captains got voted on the captain who led the teams got voted on by the campers. But the staff picked the judges and I was picked as one of the judges. And I think that that's where like, hey, where this count where the counselors like, hey, I see you're being bullied, but I know you are a you are a person of value. And that's where they assigned that to me. And I was like, oh, I only only looking back. I was like, that's the only thing that they knew how to give me yeah. something like that and then like um in 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 theater i i did this super weird play my senior year called the rhymers of eldritch uh-huh. it was so weird it was like about like a small town and there was a murder and i ended up playing this old man who everyone thought had sex with goats and was like a <laughs> hobo pariah but the whole but the whole thing was that like I was in love with, like, the former rich guy's daughter, and then this rich guy in town, like, ruined my reputation, and then everyone found out. And this was, like, 50 years ago in the play, and then now I was a hobo because everyone thought I had sex with goats. And that had, like, a (laughs) 15-minute monologue in it. And I ended up doing this voice for it, this, like, scraggly old voice that I had just figured out and decided to do when I was 18. And I ended up doing that for, like, eight. 15 minutes right and then that was like you know mr friedman who was the the theater teacher was like okay this guy seems like he could do it i think i'm gonna give it to him um but it was also like they did this weird play because so the 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 year before there was this guy named ben moss who was in my high school and he was the lead of the musicals he ended went on to be in the touring company of spring awakening and like he was very very talented and then after he graduated the theater the theater department was like i don't know there's a bunch of kids let's let's do some stuff and figure it out let's find our next moss yeah like let's just let's get these seniors to do something right and then i think that it just like kind of rolled over to me and i they gave it to me so I wish, uh, yeah, it's like no one like picked me out of a crowd and was like, I'm going to mentor this child. But I think that they were only able to give me like the little crumbs that they were, they thought that they could do within the box of the institution. Uh, That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. And I think you have a very compassionate point of view about it as well, which, you know, you, you've maybe found a way to merge the more rebellious more self-advocating person with the person who's like i mean i'm still going to give people a break to a certain degree because they're human beings i mean like on this podcast where you're being very nice to me sure yeah (laughs) (laughs) fuck those people absolutely fuck those people okay we're going to take a break i will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at maximum fun I'm Yucky Jessica. I'm Chuck Crudsworth. And this is Terrible. A podcast where we talk about things we hate that are awful. Today we're discussing Wonderful, a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hosts Rachel and Griffin McElroy, a real-life married couple. Yuck. 
discuss a wide range of topics. Music, video games, poetry, snacks. But I hate all that stuff. I know you do, Yucky Jessica. It comes out every Wednesday, the worst day of the week, wherever you download your podcasts. For our next topic, we're talking Fiona the Baby Hippo from the Cincinnati Zoo. I hate this little hippo. Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show. And this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader, Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of the show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I'd discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. Let's uh, get into this bash game. Um, listen, I- I'll be honest. You said crumbs. We both know what you were talking about, but that does lead me to want to ask you about three foods that nice. you would like to have. Snap of your fingers, zero ramifications to you, the earth, or anything else that you can think of. Can I ask, is this too sad as a boy of summer? <laughs> like, I never get to talk about this high school stuff because it's just like no! a weird part. There's nothing, there's nothing sad. There, I mean... This, this, first of all, the most sad, quote unquote, sad episodes still, I think, are totally entertaining. But also, I, that's, those are the episodes that people feel seen and heard by because there are so many people who are like, God, that was totally me. Thank you. Like, I'm processing that through the, your lens now. And it's like a tool, you know, it's a tool. Um, on top so yeah don't you dare okay don't you dare all right um we didn't even get to talk about the three year long unrequited crush i had on the same girl but that's fine i i i felt like that was that let me say this it feels of a piece (laughs) it makes sense yeah 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 and i and i told her and i told her in a party before senior year and i told her while i was standing in a pool and she said yeah i know and then turned me down yeah for sure Yeah, 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 yeah 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 Yeah. Just just to fight before yeah. we go to the match game for the final cherry on. So food I really like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Any food I could have infinite amounts of with no ramifications. Yeah, like yes, exactly right. Like we take away the ramifications. Cool. Um for sure. In this magical world. This would be um it would be sandwiches. Great. It would be diner breakfast. Mm-hmm. And then it would probably be I would go. I'm gonna go with dumplings. Mm. My other choice would have been sushi, but I think that that had less. I would. Uh, I want. Yeah, more ramifications in real life for delicious dumplings than slightly more health conscious sushi. Yes, anyway, so exactly, I think yeah. you made the right choice. I think you made the right choice. Um, okay, next one. Let's do three. Uh, I definitely want to hear your three movies that you would jump into and just live in whenever you wanted. Oh, that's a good question. My first one is my favorite movie, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. I think that being in a movie, being in a movie that was like magical realism video game would be yes. so much fun. Yes. And also like I would Gorgeous. be I would beat up Scott Pilgrim cuz he's a punk and yeah, he get needs him. to be and he needs to be beat up. He does. He, he certainly does. I, I'm going to go <laughs> with my second one because I don't know if I want to 
I think that this one has a vibe at large. Can I choose like Wes Anderson vibe in general? Or I'm going to sp- need a specific movie from you, friend, because the vibe is the vibe, but it's true that each environment has a different, to me, a different yeah. taste to it. Uh this is, this is tough. But you can. That said, you could pick two back-to-back Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, I'm gonna do two back-to-back because one would be Moonrise Kingdom, and mm-hmm. because I think that like putting the Wes Anderson stuff on the camp vibe would have been really yes. fun. And then the yes. and then the third one would be Ma- Fantastic Mr. Fox. So I could be a oh, so uh, I could be a clay, like a stop motion animal. Oh, so satisfying. I'm so glad he did that. Yeah. So, so glad he did that. Okay. Next one. All due respect to your amazing wife. Please. She did it. She did it too. Three people you want to have some romantic or sexy times with. Characters. Any age. Any era. Out of a book. Out of a video game. Whatever you want. Three. No, I got... Listen, I listened to that episode and when Amanda said Walt Whitman, I'm like, yeah, that sweaty tooth madman. <laughs> you 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 nailed it for sure. Walt, Walt Whitman's down to clown. Um, <laughs> I oh boy i knew that this was i knew this was coming but you know i'm gonna go with 500 days of summer zoe deschanel oh sure listen i was i was a hipster in my 20s what am i gonna do what am i gonna do yeah she wasn't even nice she wasn't even a nice person but man she sure uh, that movie was sure did tell be that joseph gordon levin sure was wrong about the whole situation there. <laughs> that in other words like you would get you would get her so you sure. would you would win and you wouldn't be standing in a pool while someone told you that <laughs> yeah yeah for sure i would knew. be like oh i understand the romantic entanglement we have ourselves into i'm not going to make myself miserable <laughs> by misinterpreting that and That's then hopefully right. uh and then you know eventually she did marry a person later on the episode or later yeah. on in the movie she was ter- perfectly capable of having a long-term relationship yes. she just wasn't yes. ready at the time no i i love it and i i you know i've got a i got a real soft spot for zoe too so um okay well who are two and three okay um i'm gonna go with misty from pokemon amazing <laughs> she seemed fun amazing <laughs> i could go with misty i'm certainly gonna go with misty for pokemon i love it i couldn't be happier sure uh, and then I'm going to go, the last one, I think this would be really funny if I end up match, mashing for this. I'm going to go with Cortana from the Halo series. All right. I think that having an AI girlfriend would be fun. And she was really, she really broke the mold. And and she was really helpful to Master Chief. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's like the most practical, impractical choice. It's It's a great... It's a great merge. Okay. Um, all right. This is a brand new uh, category. I'm coming up o- with off the cuff. Hell yeah. So good luck okay. because I don't th- – usually when I try to do this, they don't make sense. Okay. And then you have to interpret it and make it make sense. But I want to get from you mm-hmm. vis-a-vis playing D&D. Yes. Um, I want to get from you like a place you're safe – this is real life, but it's magical reality, mm-hmm. right? And magical realism. Three places that you will you that you are going to potentially go on some sort of quest. So it's not a vacation. You are like going to go, whether it's you know a full kind of campaigny type thing, or it's yeah. like 
more grounded than that. And it's like, no, you genuinely are going to do a scavenger hunt in, you know, rural England or whatever. But three quests and the places, you know, that that you would want to do them in the in the real world. Oh no, this is this is really cool. I like this okay, is a very inter- this is a very interesting question. Uh, also, as the best DM in podcasting, I'll be more than able to answer this question super easily. I, I'm delighted and I had a good feeling, so I'm glad I was able to articulate <laughs> anything that made sense. Absolutely. Okay. So I think that one would be one of those like infinite bookstores that exist oh, only on Instagram. Yes. Yes. I think that – what is the really great bookstore in L.A.? I've been to the it. Lost Books. Yeah, the yeah. Lost, you, the last, the last, the last bookstore, bookstore, the Lost yes. Books, the Last Bookstore. And also, like I've been to the Strand many times, the one that's 12, 12 miles. Yes. Book. Now I love yes. those places. I love being in those places. But the way that they look on Instagram I makes agree. them so magical. I agree a thousand percent. I feel the exact same way. Exact same way. I need the little kid rush of adrenaline oh my god this is magical bookstore yeah that instagram suggests there is yeah and i think that like the quest would be something related to you know like the like the the library in the last in the last avatar one the one before you were the one before yeah, the one yeah. you were in yeah like the library in the desert yeah like the and like having library. the having yeah. the owl the owl guy yes. like having a whole quest yes. there i think would be really fun um, Love that. The second would be uh, a set of hot springs and cold pools that you find after hiking to for a few hours. I'm thinking I about like, love this. you know, there there's a lot around Austin, Texas. There's yes. some of these in upstate New York, which are less hot springs, but certainly a lot of like man-made pools. Um, yeah. And I think that would be a really fun place to have like a beach episode-esque yes. if you were going to do one of those quests, like one of those yes. sessions. Genius. I love it. Yeah. Uh, and the third would be a um, a Scooby-Doo style carnival. <laughs> <laughs> where it kind of looks like a Scooby-Doo ghost town where like no one's there but also the b- colors are so bright. Yes, and the rides all magically still work and yeah. Yeah. And of, but of course Brilliant. like there's a monster there who's like made out of mud. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And like trying to ca- trying to like not be scared oh. and also catch the mud monster at the yes. Scooby-Doo carnival. Is the god, move. damn this is satisfying oh my god you've changed the face of my mash games i but yet at the same time will will other people come up with his brilliant answers hard to say <laughs> okay next one kind of along the same vein but like you know i'd like to do this sort of skills matrix style thing like sure. the category of you sort of end up with skills but i want you to think of them as problem solving skills now that could be a practical like mechanical problem solving skill or it could be like diplomacy do you know what i mean yes but like three skills that we give you that you are fucking brilliant at that lean into the sort of problem solving yeah like if i looked at your character sheet you'd have proficiency in them exactly yeah for sure i should have just said that i should have just used the terminology that we all knew i was suggesting Uh, no you were uh, that's that's great no i i knew exactly what i knew exactly what you were talking about 
Um, there is a uh, <laughs> in the second campaign of Join the Party, I gave um, Amanda's character was like a handyman. Uh, and that was like the background. I, we came up with like this custom background of handyman. And what you could do was if she did like a perception check about a building, she would be she would be I would give her extra details about the spatial awareness of that exactly. building. Exactly. Like exactly. I have such bad spatial awareness, Janet. I have no idea. I'm like, is that big enough for a chair? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Yes. Okay. This is brilliant. I'm putting handyman because we'll all remember. Spatial awareness. Just spatial awareness, both spatial inside awareness. and outside of a building. Uh, Great. For sure. Um, Great. I think a second one would be playing an instrument in in ways that it would facilitate you in at parties great <laughs> great so it's like oh this piano well let me just play let me just play this one thing and then you play fire and rain absolutely <laughs> and then the third the third would be i think being a good singer great i think that that's something that people don't realize if you can just like do it and be like oh my god you're it's a great singer and then you get a promotion and you don't realize that other <laughs> figure tied, tied together but it's like oh it was two months after karaoke night and people are just adding that to the to you the, might not be able to draw as straight of a line or it might be a subtle line but it's there it's certainly there wonderful wonderful okay uh next category let's do three um well i would love to hear from you three places in the world that you would like to have uh, a vacation home or, or a second home you don't have to be on vacation if you don't want to um and we can sort of teleport you there Ooh, absolutely one would be uh a really cool ski chalet up in the like good united states skiing area mm-hmm. uh, listen i've done a lot of skiing in upstate new york it's icy <laughs> it's not that good that sick yeah. powder yeah you want some powder i want some i want some powder u.s powder i just put u.s yeah yeah no that's my second one is 1980s hollywood that's my second one uh- <laughs> <laughs> Janet, we can't start. We can't pitch the writers and the and Sacker on strike. We can't come up with U.S. powder. It's happening. It's happening accidentally. Help! It's gonna be on FX next year. We can't oh, pitch God. it. Oh God! It just happened. Oh. Um. <laughs> I, I think the second one would be uh, a summer house uh, in Lake Placid, New York which is one of my favorite places in the world. It's just like, it's peaceful and it's kind of cool because it's in upstate New York. So it's like chilly, but it's not, it's not super hot and it's like really in the woods. And some of those ones that are like right on the lake are like super expensive. And I would love that. Yeah. I love that. That's, I would also do that. Great. Where you can just like, you can like kayak up to your house. That would be sick. Yeah. Um, and then the third one I would say is a, um, Four bedroom, two bath house in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Great. Like in like you still have a Portland address, but uh-huh. it's outside the city center. <laughs> yes, I think that's wise. And I love Portland. Yeah. 
I say that as a person who loves Portland. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Specific? Yeah, perfect. Um, okay, next one, I want to pull a character out of fiction, mm. whatever form that fiction exists. Again, video games, yeah. uh, novels, TV shows, movies, whatever you want. But three people we can pull out of fiction that you get to like hang out with. That's your buddy. Ooh, that's so good. All right. Would I be the same age as the person I pull out? Like, it would be equivalent? Totally. Whatever you, yeah, whatever needs to magically happen to, like, make that make sense for you, I'm yeah. absolutely giving Because you my first one is Gerald from Hey Arnold, the mm-hmm. probably the best friend that's ever existed at all. I love. <laughs> In the world, what an absolute bro. Yeah. Uh, who's so, so right or die. And also his hair looked like an open can of soup, which I thought was sick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, my second one is going, my second one is going to be uh, Sanji from One Piece, uh, who is okay. the chef character. He's incredibly good chef. He also has awesome kicks. And he's, he, he's kind of like, uh, He's kind of like a a little bit of a womanizer guy. And so uh-huh. that that wouldn't be then I'm like, wow, so let's tone it down, Sanji. These women, <laughs> <laughs> these women have autonomy and they're not just there for you as romantic partners. But he's also great. ride or die as all of the all of the straw hats are. Um, and also he's an incredible chef. And that would be great. Great. I love it. Um, and then finally, the third, I'm going to go with Donkey Kong. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Self-explanatory why that would be for, for a day. <laughs> need you say more. Yeah. You needn't. Um, okay. And then uh, final category for you will be, let's do, I mean, this is where I put all the pressure on myself. You got it. You got it. As as the producer well, I, of this pod of this podcast now, you I'm, find yeah. like confidence. It's all good. You're gonna be you're gonna be writing me. If I would make a if I could make a suggestion, I listened to the episode with me, and if I could just make a couple of suggestions. If you if you, I wish you would cut off Eric earlier because he talked way too much <laughs> about being bullied, and I think we got it. I think we understood. We get it. We get it. <laughs> okay. Um, I am going to say. Oof, I feel like I have all these like jumbled ideas, but a lot of them I feel like kind of scratch the itch from like they, they we've already scratched the itch that would cause me to come up with these categories. Sure. So I'm just trying to think if there's anything that's just totally untapped. Um, I guess I would say, well, okay, this is shitty. This is a kind of a shitty way to end. It's fine. But let's do it. Okay. Based on what you just said, based on us joking about that, based on the idea that you bring out Sanji, but you actually make him better mm-hmm. in addition to like him making your life better, yeah. I do want to hear from you three things. And I don't care if it's a sculpture, if it's a business model, okay. if it's a work of art, if it's a movie that needs to be retconned so that it's a little more PC because there's a lot of good stuff in it, but it doesn't hold up in some way. Okay. Three things that you get to contribute and make better like it's that you actually get to do that with yeah so the thing about this is that especially in a (laughs) nascent uh in kind of like a nascent art form like podcasting actual play podcasts tabletop rpgs at large right is that like yeah 
success there's so much survivorship bias in in to say that if it is successful it must be perfect and cannot be yeah. improved in any sort of way one of which and i i don't want to say specific ones but i think i'll say generally because you said something okay. that the, the first one i'm going to say is when you were doing a movie podcast and you are doing a comedy do not spend 50 percent of the time saying wow that didn't hold up we know that i i right. watched anchor pan recently I did right. not watch it again so that I could judge it about it not being woke enough for me. I think Got that it. if you're, I think that comedies deserve to be analyzed just as much as dramas or action movies. Uh, but they, you spend the, it's such like a reflexive thing, especially for podcasters, where mm -hmm. because there is no comment section, if someone's yes. reaching out to you via social media or email, they really went right. out of their way to reach out to you. So then, like, right. you hear it really loud. So then, right. podcasts. So you feel like you have to get out in front of every possible thing that might come your way. Yeah. So you end up being an apologist for stuff that you may or may not that may or may not have been necessary to say and that may or may not have actually enhanced the conversation you're having i love that exactly. okay and then you're like just and then you're incredibly self-conscious on the microphone and then no one that's a waste of my of of the listener's time and your time for that matter that you just spent like an hour and a half being self-conscious about what you're going to say the second thing i love that yeah the second thing i would say is for Dun the dungeons and dragons meet for dungeons and dragons media there mm -hmm. is a Another thing about the success leading the art form, we seem to think that the be that the only way to have a popular Dungeons and Dragons podcast, a, a, po a the only way to have a popular actual play piece of media, is that you need to play a rules light version of Dungeons and Dragons that is both simultaneously incredibly blue and lewd and also incredibly dramatic and traumatizing or dealing with people's trauma and mm -hmm. you for some reason it all needs to be recorded in los angeles on a sound stage with act with actors and with with voice actors and other and other actors and improvers right i don't know why this is the only way to do it because there are so many different dials we could be adjusting that would then allow the form to flourish for example, I love the thing that I love the most is leaning into allowing gameplay to literally dictate how the literally let the gameplay bear out what happens. Like let's let we're playing yeah. a game, we should be having fun while telling telling the story instead of this being an extended improv exercise um sure. with incredibly like where the energy is all the way up to an 11 at all times. Yes. Yes. Um, and I just don't understand it. And it's something that I, I, end up, I end up talking about a lot. If this was a different podcast, I would end up talking about that <laughs> a lot. But it's just, it's just like I understand why it's popular, but doing all right. those things and recreating it over and over and over and over right. again doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah. I embrace that 100%. Yeah. Um, and then the third thing I would say uh, for video game podcasts I wish there were more video game podcasts where that wasn't just about the news. <laughs> there are so many, so many video game podcasts where it's like, we're going to talk about the new game and what's happening in games. Right. It is such a a hobby, a ho like a hobby niche where you can do all the other types of podcasts that exist. And then then like you don't just have to do like debate podcast as the only other version of video game podcasts that exists. Right. There's just like 
existing within the form of video game and then doing like all of the other different types of podcasts out there, I think is definitely, yeah. I really, I crave more shows like that. I love it. This is great. See, you need to be heard. Hey man, you need to be heard. I, uh, I'm I'm follow me on Twitter. I'm saying shit like this all the time, <laughs> all the time. I don't know what Twitter is, but I know what X oh, is. Oh, um, okay. All right. Give me a uh, give me a number between one and uh, ten. I'm gonna go with six. Great. Um, this I, you just preemptively vamped. You just told people a place they could find you, but this is the place and time for you to talk about all things multitude and or anything else that you would like to have people uh, tuning into. While I come up with your 100% guaranteed mash alternate life slash reality. Uh, man, I hope I get Cortana because that was a really good choice that I made. We'll find out what the universe has in store. <laughs> Incredible. All right. Well, if you like the things that I say and you like me being on the podcast, talking about podcasts, um, I that's my full-time job. Uh, I'm the head of creative at Multitude, which is, you might have heard from Amanda McLaughlin and Julia Shafini's episodes. Uh, we're, we're a podcast collective studio and ad sales provider where we make shows and we help other people make shows and we help people make money uh, while in in the digital creator economy. We, we podcasting is very viable and you don't need a network or or, or a big company telling you telling you what to do. Uh, uh, Beautiful Anonymous just went independent in the same way that we have for a very long time, and I'm so so happy for, so happy for Chris That's Gethard. Great. Uh, it really makes sense. I mean that you that that is one of those shows where if you didn't know that you would be like, wait, it wasn't always. Yeah. Just for the vibe of, you know, everything that Gethard is. And just like someone telling Chris Gethard what to do just because they're selling his ads. It's just like, it's it doesn't even make any, it just doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. And we just ascribe to that. Like, you podcasts and podcast listeners are so valuable. And if you just learn, you just talk to us about selling your ads, you can go off and make your show the best that you can be. If you like uh, this content that I do, I produce... Uh, a bunch of shows, including Join the Party, where I'm the best DM in podcasting, which is an actual play podcast. Uh, right now we're doing a campaign set in a world of plant and bug people, and it's a pirate story. So think like uh, One Piece meets Redwall and Plants vs. Zombies. Uh, also Games and Feelings, which is our games advice show that I do with my wonderful co-host Jasper Cartwright, where we uh, answer advice questions about board games, video games, uh uh, tabletop RPGs, escape rooms, sports, etc. Like where humans and games come together. And tell me about it, which I uh, do with Adol Refai, where people come on and talk about their favorite thing. And uh, Adol plays a multi-billionaire, putting them through their paces. And I'm his little <laughs> audio butler. Janet was on our second episode. It was it was awesome. Um, it was very very fun. Jan very, Janet's very fun. episode was so specific. It was it was the museums of little miniatures. <laughs> Well, you asked for it. It was great. I agree. That, that was such a specific one. The more specific, the better. Um, and I also produce like the distraction for Defector, which is a sports show. I'm putting out seven podcast episodes every two weeks, and it's great. That's I love it. Phenomenal. 
That's phenomenal. Uh, that is a lot. That's Listen, if you're listening to the podcast, that means you're very likely one of those people who consumes a, a lot of podcasts. And I always feel like I have room for more. So yeah. if you're not already listening, check all of those out. I do have your MASH future. Um, I am pretty excited about a lot of this, but I do want to rip off the Band-Aid. You did not get Cortana, no. my friend. You did not get Cortana. <laughs> Instead, you have been saddled with the most realistic person to end up with however you i mean within the limits of what we've been talking sure. about in mash which is that you do have zoe circa 500 days of summer mm. to have these many adventures with uh, which include uh for example your fantastic ski chalet in what we will now call powder u.s <laughs> yeah 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 hell yeah <laughs> Up in Powder US, fantastic. Um, I feel like, I mean, I'm excited to see how Donkey Kong fits into that. I'm excited to see <laughs> what his take on a snowy climate <laughs> is going to be. Just wears a little hat. <laughs> That's it. Hijinks will ensue, no doubt. That's why we want him, no. um, in addition to just being a great, great pal. Uh, so that's happening. Um, you are also a phenomenal singer. Wow. And um, you can take that in. By, by the way, Zoe, also a great singer. Yeah. You can take that that skill into uh, the rest of your life with you up to and including your dips into Scott Pilgrim whenever nice. you want. I feel like that's going to come in handy there mm -hmm. for sure. So looking forward to that. Um, you also have the amazing, you give the gift to the world of uh, really facilitating less apologies, less uh, apologist podcasts, especially when it comes to pop culture. Yes. Um, I, for one, am delighted that that, uh, that, that kind of restriction has been lifted. Um, so I'm very, very happy that worked out. And then just like the idea of all of this and then also you get to go on this quest. Sure. Inside the Infinite Bookstore. Yes, let's go. With an endless supply of sandwiches just feels so right to me. <laughs> you get those sandwiches any and everywhere we've talked about, but I just love like the I love the 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 seeker who's out there in the Infinite Bookstore and he is Whenever he needs it, he's got a sandwich at the ready. It makes me very happy. The way that you framed it was it was like, ooh, so it's like your dungeon master is like, all right, you're locked. Oh, no, the door slams shut behind you and you're stuck in the infinite library. And then they're like, um, actually, I have my pack of infinite sandwiches, <laughs> so I'm going to be just fine. And then they're like, fuck. I know. I think that NeverEnding Story has had a more latent effect on me than I thought mm -hmm. because I suddenly flashed as soon as you described that back to me. I was like, yeah, like that kid when he's reading the book. It's like really important that he realizes he has a sandwich with him. <laughs> if this was a real tabletop RPG game, you'd be, your, your DM would be like, so do you have anything in your pack that might... Um... <laughs> help you when you're locked in the yeah. library and you're like no this sucks <laughs> i'm looking through my spell cards i'm gonna li i'm gonna light all the books on fire and you're like no don't do that <laughs> amazing uh eric i don't know if you're familiar with the don henley boys of summer or if you have a summer song of your own that you would love to um, entertain me with a snippet of knowing that in this reality no one's expecting you to be the singer that you were bound to be in the future the very near future of, of mash um 
I open that up. This I'm opening the floor to you as the end of this episode of the podcast. Well, Janet, obviously, because I talked about uh, my teenage years and me becoming coming of age and you know being trying to be more of myself. You might say that I've been coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta gotta be down because I want it all. Because it started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? It was only a kiss. It was only a kiss. Now I'm falling asleep and she's calling a cab and she's having a smoke, but she's staying in a drag. Jealousy. Turning saints. <laughs> oh my god, I just want to get to the chorus. It's fine. Jealousy. Turning saints into the sea. Amazing. Um. Well. This has been a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing a little, uh, a little. Oh my God, I'm blaming the killers yeah. in for, um, for a very a photo finish. <laughs> Turns out you won, and um, and I want you to go have a sandwich in celebration of your future sandwich empire. I will. Thank you, Janet. I really appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next time on the podcast. show is recorded by me and edited by julian burrell and as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi hey remember one we could save kittens from trees maximum fun a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you